Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. So excited for the next six weeks. We're going to be going through a book study on the book of Galatians. Galatians. In the Word of God, it's six chapters, so therefore six weeks that we're going to go through. So instead of a topical series that we would normally do, we're going to do really a verse by verse. And so I'm really encouraging you, bring your Bible to church, get your journal out, get ready to take some notes because we're going to go through it. And I'm going to give you some homework. Are you ready? Here's some homework. How many hated homework at school? But homework at school was pretty pointless. If you're a young person in the house, it's not pointless. You need to do your homework. But what we're saying is this, this is truth that you're going to discover that's going to change your life. And so what we're saying is this, do your homework this week, read ahead, read chapter two and begin to study it and, and, and look deeper into it. Or you can work below if you if you want to work behind, then read chapter one and go over the notes that we're going to give you today and just ask God. But whether you're going ahead or behind, just come prepared. And come ready to see what God is doing. So the book of Galatians is a great, great book. It was written by the Apostle Paul somewhere around about 55 to 56 AD after the death of Christ. It's actually the only letter that Paul specifically addresses to a group of churches. It's not to an individual like some of the books he writes to Timothy or others. It's not to the church of Philippi, the Philippians letters. But this is to the church or to a group of Galatia. Galatia was not a city, but a region of ancient minor. Okay, what we would call today modern day Turkey is really where he was writing. And he's addressing specifically not one church, but a whole group of churches. He's been there on a missionary trip. He started, planted churches, and now he is writing back to them to instruct them. So it's a letter or what we could call an epistle. Okay, an epistle is what you see. And Paul wrote about two thirds of the New Testament, which are letters or epistles. And if you would read them, most of the time we find that they are for doctrine. They are to give us a grounding spiritually of God's truth and the gospel. But there's also great encouragement that we find in those instruction and correction. It's important to be corrected. So Paul is an apostle. He's not a pastor. He's an apostle. He would go and he would evangelize and he would start and plant churches in these areas. And his desire and his heart, just giving you some background, is he wanted to step out from the Jewish people and he wanted to reach what was known as the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. There was some resistance with that because they thought the gospel was just for Jews. But Paul says, no, the gospel is for mankind. And instructed by God, he stepped out. It wasn't a popular decision he made, but he stepped out. So here he is. He's touching so many lives. He's traveling in so many different areas. So to keep in touch, he has to send letters. 
So if he's maintaining these churches and these leaders and he's given them proper doctrine and instruction to ground them, he sends them a letter. So actually, Paul in Galatians is actually writing to come against Judaizers. A Judaizer is just a big word for really a group of people who were legalists. They were legal people. They were in legalism. And they were what? They were teaching that certain laws were still binding upon Christians. Paul had come and talked about the grace of God, the love of God. But people had come in behind him and say, oh, there is the grace of God, but there's also the law of God. Oh, there is the love of God, but there's also the law of God. And you need to fulfill these laws. You need to do this. You don't just need to do that. You've got to do more, more, more. So they were teaching people not freedom, but they were literally teaching people bondage. And they were teaching a doctrine that was in direct contrast or contradiction to Paul's teaching of salvation. You see, one of the things they were arguing was this. They thought in order to reach the non-Jewish people, Paul was diluting the gospel. That's what they're accusing him of doing. Because he said, you don't have to do this, this, and this. They were like, well, he's just saying that because he knows if he were to say, you've got to do this, 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 and this, which was under the law, then those people wouldn't want to be a part of Christ. So really, they were, in essence, undermining his apostolic authority. He doesn't know what he's talking about, but we do. And here's what you need to do. And I believe the key verse, in every book, I believe there's a key verse. And to me, I believe the key verse of Galatians is Galatians 5 and chapter 1. And it says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Can we personalize that today? It is for freedom that Christ has set me free. So what am I to do? I'm to stand firm and not let myself be burdened again in a yoke of slavery. I'm going to say it from another translation because I want you to grasp this. I want you to get this because the struggle that Paul, as we're going to discover, is addressing, is challenging, is still a great struggle that we see around us today. There's great deception around us today when it comes to the gospel. When it comes to the truth of God's word, there's so many different methods and different means and different gospels and different ways that we see all around us today. So we've got to be, look at this, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty which Christ has made you free. We're personalizing this. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. God brings us freedom, religion brings us bondage. God's word is life and truth, but man's way is legalism. It's rules. It's regulations. It's following this produces that. Well, that's not the truth as we're going to discover today. So let's begin in Galatians chapter 1. I'm actually going to read the first five verses. And this is really known as Paul's salutation. It's his welcome. It's his opening paragraph. It's his greeting to them. And he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men or through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Notice this. I'm not standing here under man's authority, Paul says. I'm standing under God's. I'm commissioned by God. And all the brethren who are with me to the church of Galatia, grace 
to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he may deliver us from this direct or from this present rather evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be all glory forever and ever. Amen. His introduction, Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the way. I'm not saying this by my words. I'm saying this, Paul says, by God's instruction, instructing you. So when we read this letter, it's not really man's words that we're reading. It's God's instruction and guidance to our life. And then it's kind of funny because Paul here in Galatians kind of shifts from his normal way of doing things. Because after he gives his introduction and he's welcome, he then normally goes to the next part where he begins to express thanks for his reader. He says, I thank God for you often. Or I pray for you often. I thank God that you received me. I thank God that you reached out to me. Paul doesn't do that to Galatians, but immediately he plunges into his argument. And his argument is this. Instead of progressing in your Christian walk, you are digressing. Instead of there being breakthroughs in your life, you are putting yourself under a greater bondage. You're going the wrong way. And that's what I want to focus on today. We're actually going to focus on verse 6 through 10. The rest of the first chapter is really Paul talking about his calling and how God called him and how man didn't accept that and didn't receive that. But even still, he persisted and and he still reached out and God used him and, and God directed him in his life to Jerusalem and then different regions. And you can read that. But where we're really going to jump in is really verse 6 and 7 today, but we're going to read through verse 10. And this is the reason for him writing this whole book, this whole epistle, this letter. He says to them, I marvel. In other words, I'm shocked. I am astonished, is what he says, that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, to a different gospel. Legalists, Judaizers, legalism had come in. So what is Paul addressing? What is he coming against? He is coming against those that would teach that justification and sanctification, I know they're big words, but justification really is this, being made righteous before God. Sanctification means that you've been set apart by God for a divine purpose. So God wants to do a work in you. God wants to set you apart. But Paul says, I am amazed because now legalism has come in and said, if you want to be used by God, you want to be a vessel by God, then guess what? It depends on your own efforts. That's what legalism says. You've got to do it. You've got to perform right. You've got to act right. And if you don't, there's no blessing. There's no freedom. There's no salvation, those miracles. So really what legalism says, it denies the sufficiency of the cross. The cross wasn't enough. The cross isn't enough. You've still got to do more. Just giving your life to Christ is not enough. Now you've got to earn that. Now you've got to work for that. Now you've got to strive for that. It's my performance, legalism says. It's my doing. 
But notice how Paul addresses that thought. He says in verse 7, which is not another. One translation says this, that's no gospel at all. You haven't just turned from the gospel, you've turned to something that's no gospel at all. But he says, but there are some who trouble you and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. There's a lot of confusion that's going on in the church. Wow, look around us today. It's exactly what's happening today because everything around us wants to confuse the gospel message, wants to add to it. Oh, there's other ways to Christ. You can do this and you can do that. So let's read on verse 8 through 10. But even if an angel from heaven preaches any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed under God's curse. These are strong words that Paul is saying here. And if we have said, and as I have said before, see now I say it again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For I do not persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. It's not about what man wants to hear. But it's about the truth being told. And Paul says, if anyone else is teaching you anything else apart from the truth, they need to be accursed. And I'm not saying this, he says, for my agenda, because it's not about me, but it's about Christ. And it's about me being a bondservant. The thought of bondservant means this. You're not just a servant, but you are given your life to death. The only thing that could separate you through being a bondservant from the obligation or the commitment you would make is death. So Paul says, till I die, I am given and surrendered and yielded to Christ. If you would study what actually they were trying to bring in, one of the main laws that they were trying to reinstitute was this, the law of circumcision. We're not going to go into that today. And if you don't know what that is, see Miss D after church and she would love to talk to you about that. But the last time I checked, it's probably not a good church building strategy. If you want to come to our church and be a member, you've got to be circumcised. I don't think we would have many people going through our growth track class. It would be predominantly female probably and the men would sit in the car and say, sweetheart, you can go in and go through the class for us. But that was what they were trying to introduce. They were trying to say, if you want to be set apart from God, because now you're not Jews, but if you want to be like us, here's what you've got to do. Circumcision was an old covenant that God had with mankind to show that they were given to God, that they were surrendered to God. But what we see in the New Testament is this. It's not a circumcision of the flesh, but it's a circumcision of a heart. That our heart now is surrendered and given and yielded to God. But again, that's not enough. They said you've got to put yourself through the pain, the discomfort. You've got to physically do something in order to receive salvation. You see, the problem we have is human nature. Our human nature tries to turn what Jesus has done for us into now what can we do? 
It's not enough just to say, okay, God, I received that. Human nature says, okay, now what do I have to do? Because it's not just enough to believe it. Now I've got to do and I've got to be what needs to happen in my life. And we've got to be careful because I know the Bible says faith without works is dead, but it's not the work that produces the faith. It's the faith that as a result works come from that. You don't earn your salvation through your works. By grace are you saved, not by what? Yourselves. It's the gift of God. So we've got to be very careful. What, what are you saying? I'm saying that works will flow out of your relationship with God, but your relationship with God is not bound by, you don't discover a relationship through doing stuff. It's as a result of what God has done and will continue to do in your life. But what happens is this, when we try to earn our salvation, what we're really doing is this, we're bringing ourselves into another gospel. And Paul says, no gospel at all. It's not a gospel at all. But that's a choice that many are making today. And it's a dead religion. And it's a dead religion that is still killing people today. It's killing people today. Let me say it this way just to try and paint the picture for you. How many people are not in church today due to dead religion? So many people are not in church today because they think that church is just about a list of rules and regulations. And that God is this God, this ogre in heaven, just waiting for us to take one step out and bam, he's just sending lightning bolts from heaven and he's going to smite us and he's going to take us down. That's the image and the view that most and many people have of God. Rules, laws, regulations, standards. And that's why many people say today, if that's who God is, I don't want God. I'm going to go one step further. If that, who, if that is who God is, I don't want a God like that either. I don't want to be in relationship with a God like that. And so what we have today and what they had back then is really a major branding problem. The message is great, but the way it's been presented, the way it's been handled is not. Remember Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And unfortunately, so many today, maybe even you, then you're not living in Christ's freedom. You're not living in the freedom of Christ. But instead, you're giving yourself to a, another gospel. You think you have to earn it. You have to perform. You have to do these things to accept the grace of God. So here's a question for us to really address through this whole series. And that is this. How do I become Christ-like? How, how do I become more like Christ? How, how can I live for God? What's the way to God? I, I want to be pleasing to God. And I pray that you do. I know I do. I want to be pleasing to God in everything. So how do I become more pleasing to God? How do I become more in tune with God? How do I have less of me and more of God? Well, one thing you've got to realize is this. Every religion presents a way. It shows the situation or it shows the condition of man. And as a result of man's condition, then here's the way to God. All religions have a way, but I believe that there is only one that leads to life. And John 14 verse 6, Jesus said this, I am the way. 
He says, I am the truth and I am the life. No one knows the Father except by me. He's just told his disciples, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you. And one day I'm going to come back. And Thomas stands up and says, Jesus, where are you going? What is this place? And Jesus was saying, stop looking externally and start looking internally because here I am. I am the way of freedom for your life. It's not one day when I make it to a place. It's right now here in my heart. I can discover and know the way, the truth and the life, and I can find Christ. There's not many ways to God. Well, there's this. that No, there's only one way to God. And that's through Jesus Christ, the Son. So what is the gospel? The gospel is this. I call it this. It's an exclusive truth. It's a truth all by itself. People have said this to me. Well, how can you say there's only one way? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. So I'm just repeating what he says. But one thing I've discovered is I've seen many people go different ways to God and they're not living in peace. They're not discovering victory in life. It's a hard drudgery that they're on trying to be pleased and trying to do everything where there's a liberty that we can have and it comes through the way of God. So it's his gospel. Two gospels that we see today. The way of God and the way of man. Where we trust fully in God for our lives or we think it's on what we need to do. And so we're going to go back to the beginning of the Bible. And we're going to see the foundation and the way that has been presented to mankind. Because we have a choice. We have a choice to choose what gospel we live by. So let's look at the first story after creation in the Bible. Genesis chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put a man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is to be pleasant to the sight and to be good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and also the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Many have not heard of the tree of life in Genesis. We overlook this tree because immediately we go to the story of Eve. We see the serpent in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil deceives her. And we miss out this whole choice that really man had there in the garden. The choice is the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good or evil. Or better said, my approach or his approach. Verse 16 through 17. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Man had a choice. He could have eaten the tree of life and lived eternally in freedom and blessing. But yet God says, I've given you a choice, but here's what I don't want you to choose. God says, I don't want you to choose your knowledge and your way, but I want you to choose My way. Do you see the wrong gospel? That's going to bring death. That's going to bring damnation. So what do we know about God? Here's what we know. God wants a relationship with us. Can we understand that? God wants to be in relationship with us. But Satan's desire is completely the opposite. 
He wants to destroy that relationship that we have with God. So how does he attack them? Well, let's look. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall eat of every tree in the garden? Did God really say that? He's questioning He's beginning to get her to question God. He's confusing her to make the wrong choice in her life. And it sounds like what's happening in the book of Galatia. Come on, in Galatians, to the area of Galatia. They're being confused by making the wrong choice, by choosing the wrong way. Jump to verse 4. Then the serpent said to her, you will not die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Something really important, I believe, that we need to see here. And that is, Satan did not appeal to her desire to be rebellious. Well, she rebelled against God and she ate it. That's not where Satan's coming from. That's not his attack. That's not what he's using. It wasn't to disobey God was the hook that he used. But rather, he says, if you eat of this tree, you will be like God. So think about that. It looks good. It sounds good. But it's not always God. And what would be the greatest intrigue? Who would they want to be like more than anyone else? God. They loved God. He was the creator. So the serpent comes to deceive them to make the wrong choice and says, Oh, but if you want to be more godly, if you want to be a better Christian, if you want to be like God, more holy, do more, be more pleasing, then here's what you need to eat. So the deception came not through her rebellion, but the deception came through her wanting to be more like God. John Bevere actually wrote a book called Good or God. It's a great book. You need to read it. But it was the pursuit of good. And in pursuing good, she fell. Taking her choice from life to the tree of the knowledge and good of evil. Now, don't get me wrong. We know the devil wants to tempt us to do evil. But I believe also he can mess us up. He can deceive us when it comes to our pursuit of God also. Because I want to be pleasing to God. And so Satan says, you want to be pleasing to God, then here's what you need. And he takes us away from the tree of life and he takes us to the tree of knowledge. My thinking, my way. Man's way. Which is another gospel. It's another way. Which Paul says is no gospel at all. Which will lead us to death. You see, man wants to do it his way. But if it was possible for us to do it alone, Jesus would never have had to come and die on a cross. If man could have through willpower and man through his own decision could have saved himself and been good enough, Jesus would not have had to come to die. But the fact he came to die shows us that we're not good enough. 
In fact, if you want to know your goodness, the greatest act of goodness that you could ever have in your life, the Bible says your righteousness is just like filthy rags. So no matter what you do and how you try to do it to perform and to choose, this is how I'm going to get life. If it's not God's way, then you're doing it your way and it will never be good enough. And that's the problem we have with religion today. Read on Genesis 3, 6 and 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and it was a tree desirable, it was good, pleasant and desirable. It was good. It was good. She took of the fruit and ate and she gave to her husband with her and he also ate. Then their eyes were opened. Both their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. You see what happens as a result of the wrong gospel, the wrong choice. Now they see nakedness. Now they see shame. Now they see guilt. The age of innocence is gone. There's no more innocence now, but it's the guilt. It's the feelings that we have as we choose the wrong gospel. So I want to break it down just really quickly when we look at the different choices that we have quickly. Look at this. One focuses on what you do. It's all about what you do, where the constant measure is really based solely on our actions, what you do. Everything becomes a competition. Everything becomes a comparison. Well, I'm more holy than them because I go to church more than them. The focus is all on who I am and and what I do. Well, I read the Bible more than they do. I pray more than they do. Look at me. I'm better than you. The focus You, you, you. Does that sound familiar? That's the focus most of us have where the true focus or the tree of life is this. One focuses on what Jesus has done. (laughs) You want to know the truth about reading God's word? The truth is this. Let it read you. It's not about how much you read, but how much Jesus you find in it. You can, you can read 10 chapters a day. You can read 10 books a day. And, and, and I know people like that, and there's no Jesus in them. It's just religion. It's what they're doing. They're trying to earn it. They're making that choice to try and choose salvation and life. And they're putting themselves in the wrong tree. They're eating of the wrong tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what I do, what I do, what I do. No, it's the tree of life. It's what he has already done. John 5, 39 through 40. You study the scriptures, John says, diligently because you think that's in them you have eternal life. It's how much I read. I've got to read more because that's the truth. He says, no, but look at these. Look at this. Here's the purpose of reading. He says, but these very scriptures are that which testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me. And have life. You see, the goal of reading God's word is not just to have knowledge. Uh, That was Adam and Eve's wrong choice. It's not just about knowing. But the idea of reading God's word is that we would come closer to Jesus. That we would know him through his scripture. That we would know Jesus. Here's another choice. Are you ready? One focuses on God's approval. Do you know that most people feel that God's mad at them? It's a pretty common thought that they believe that God is mad at them. So therefore, if God is mad at them, they live their life striving to please him. They're trying to do everything they can to please him. I've got to win his approval. 
Well, I've done something bad, so now God's mad at me, so I've got to win his approval. Here's my question I've got to ask if that's the thought, if that's the right choice. When is what you do ever enough? It's never going to be enough. So you're going to just be battling and, and fighting and struggling. And that's why so many people fall back into their sin because they're trying to win the approval of God. If I just do this one more thing, then God will love me. If I do two right things, then that will make up for the wrong one thing. If I can just do a little bit more, we're chasing the wrong gospel. Listen to me. We are chasing after the wrong. If I could just go to church more, if I could just tithe more, if I can just sing louder in church, if I sit on the front row in church, if I sign up for 10 small groups, come on, if I serve on five dream teams, then what? You're exhausted. You think God approves of you more because of those things? If you think that's what it takes to get the approval of God, you're following the wrong gospel. You're eating of the wrong tree. Because you can't earn his approval. But what you've got to do is you've got to surrender to his love. So the other one focuses on receiving God's love. It's not about his approval. It's about knowing his love. God knows everything about you. Yet, he still chooses to love you. That's amazing. That's amazing to me. He knows everything about me. But he still chooses to, oh, but I've got to, he still chooses to love you. While you are dead in your trespasses and sins, Christ died for you. Come on. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love to us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, he doesn't accept the sin of our lives, but he accepts you. He wants you. He still loves you. Listen today. God didn't wait for you to change so he could love you. God loved you so you could change. God didn't wait for you to get it all together so you can get to God. (laughs) You get to God so you can get it all together. But we've got it so backwards. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. and I've got to have the approval of God. No, he loves you. He loves you just where you're at and right where you're at. But he loves you so much not to leave you the same way. You see, God's desire is not to condemn us. God's desire is to convict us. To condemn means to write off where God wants to write you in. And so what does he do? He convicts you. What is the conviction? It's that gentle nudge of the Holy Spirit as he puts his finger on that thing in your life and says, listen, let's just work on this together. Come on, we can work on this together. He's not writing you off. He's pointing out those things so you can become more Christ-like. 1 John four nineteen. we love him because he... I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But he first... He first loved me. What choice are you making? You see, it's so important because how you view God is how you respond to God. If you think God's mad at you, you're not going to want a loving relationship with someone who's mad at you. 
But if you see him as loving, just like a, a mother, how she loves her children and embraces them. If you start seeing God like that, you're going to have a better relationship with God. Because you don't always feel like you're striving for his approval. You can just step into his arms. And you can just linger in there. And you can feel his love. And you can feel his forgiveness. The relationship you have, the view you have of God is so important. And how you respond to him is another one. One more choice. One focuses on external duty. Do, 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 do it. I guess I wasn't doing enough. That's why I fell. That's why I went back into bondage. That's why I did drugs again because I missed church on Sunday. That's the condemnation the enemy wants to put you in. Here's the second choice where one focuses on internal desire. I'm telling you right now, I stand here living a life of God, not because I have to, but because I want to. Because there's a desire inside of me. It's a privilege to serve God. I wholeheartedly believe that. And I need to remember that every day. Oh, here I am. I'm serving God. No, it's a privilege that I have to be able to. I need to have an internal desire that's changed. I need to live by that. I need to delight in that. I don't have to. I get to. 1 John 5 verse 3, for this is the love of God. This is God's love. You want to know what God's love is for you? It says that we will keep his commandments. Oh, you're like, hold on a second. I thought you just said it's not about do, 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 do. It's not about my performance. It's not because you finished too quick. You've got to read on that we will keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. If you're doing it out of obligation, it's going to be a burden. If you're doing it out of love, that changes everything. It's not a burden to read my Bible when I can touch God. It's not a burden to pray when I can commune with God. It's not a burden to come to church where God says I'll be there. And It's not a burden for these things. Why? Because I'm not doing that because I have to. I'm doing it now because I want to. Too many people are forcing. They're eating from the wrong tree. Hmm. I wonder today what gospel you have turned to. I wonder what gospel that you're living. I wonder if Paul through Galatians is addressing your life and saying, man, this is exactly your problem. This is what you're going on because you're following a gospel that you think is going to get you to heaven, but it's just causing you to be bound and miserable and depressed and you're not living in the victory that God has for your life. So quickly, I've got to close this message, but I want to help you today. How can I choose right? Because just like Adam and Eve, you and I have the choice. Paul is addressing a choice that these people are making. He says, you're choosing the wrong gospel. Today, many of us are just like that. We are choosing the wrong gospel. It's on our performance and what we can do and who we are instead of who he is. So let me give you three things. Number one, you've got to fall in love with Jesus. You want to choose the right gospel? You've got to be in love with Jesus. I mean, you've got to fall head over heels in love with Jesus. you just got to give everything to Jesus. You've got to have that love relationship with him. And if you're struggling to have a love relationship with God, can I help you? Just begin to remind yourself who he is. Just remember who he is. He's a God of love that is grace and mercy and forgiving. And then just begin to be reminded of what he's done. He gave his life willingly for you while you 
you were dead in your trespasses. He gave, when I begin to think of who he is and the love he has for me, it's easy for me to love him. It's easy for me to fall in love with him because I look and say, God, I don't deserve it even by just the smallest amount. But God, you give it all freely to me. Come on, you've got to lean into Jesus. Just this week, just lean in a little bit more. Too many people are leaning over to religion. It's death. It's another gospel. We've got to lean into Jesus. Every week at Crossroads, we tell them this. We're not a program, but we're all about a relationship. If you want a program, go out there. There's many great programs, but a program won't set you free. It will maybe kind of help you for a little bit, but there's only one that can break the cycle of addiction. There's only one that can break the stronghold, and that's Jesus. It's a relationship that will change your life. Instead of saying, well, I've got to read my Bible more for breakthrough. No, you need to love Jesus more. Just fall in love with Jesus. John 14, 15. If you love me, you keep my commandments. Notice in between that, there's a comma. If you love me, comma, then keep my commandments. Because here's the thought, when you love me, you will, you won't have to, it will flow naturally. But unfortunately, many of us are living on the wrong side of the comma. We're trying to keep his commandments. We're trying to be pleasing to him instead of falling in love with Jesus. It's all about our performance and our doing instead of realizing he's already done it all for me. You've got to have it in the right order. You're trying to do it in the wrong way. And if you're doing it the wrong way, you're not going to get the right results. Because loving God produces obedience, but obedience and doing does not automatically produce a love for God. Number two, you can't allow condemnation. Any of you ever deal with condemnation? Anyone deal with that? The enemy wants to accuse you, doesn't he? Come in and and show you all your life. Heard this many years ago, but it's still as good as the day I heard it. When Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. If that's who I was. But let me tell you who you're going to be one day and where you're going to be one day. You got to refuse the lie that the enemy says God can never love you, you, that you're never doing it enough. You blew it. There's no hope. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who now do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's key in our lives. We're making the right choice every day. We're not trying to do it to earn it, but we are resting in it. We are embracing it. We are living in it. For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of performance, that sin and death. And the problem with condemnation is this, it won't just affect you, but it affects your judgment of other people. Because when you're under condemnation, then you begin to judge everyone else. Last one, band, you can come back. You've got to make the choice every day. You've got to choose right every day. Because Paul says, I'm coming to you with this. I could get thank you God for you and all this, but there's an important message I want to give to you today. And he says, I'm astonished and I'm amazed that some of you so quickly have wandered from the truth and found yourself now entangled with doing and choosing the wrong thing instead of living in the life that I have. So you've got to make the choice every day. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. This day 
the word of God says, I call the heavens and earth as a witness against you, that I have set before you life and death. Two choices. The tree of life or the tree of knowledge. The tree of life or the tree of death. Blessing and cursing. Now, choose life so that you and your children, your next generations can live. I love that. God says, here's the quiz. Are you ready? I've set you two choices. It's A or B. But then God's like, but the answer's A. Come on, he's set a question, but he's given us the answer. He's given us the answer and the answer is him. The answer is Jesus. And the answer is life. Choose right. I really pray that you make a commitment each week to be here with us. Because through the book of Galatians, we're going to discover how we can walk in our freedom. How we can know the freedom of Christ. Next week, we're going to be talking about living a crucified life. My God, it's no longer I that lives. That Christ lives in me. We're going to talk about crucifying the flesh and dying to our sinful desires so we can be pleasing to God. So do your homework. You can check out chapter one or go ahead to chapter two. But we're going to discover God's truth. Would you bow your heads all over this place right now? Maybe you've made the wrong choice. As a result of Adam and Eve eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man's choice. They were naked and they were ashamed. Maybe today you feel ashamed, you're naked, the innocence is gone because of the choice, the wrong choice that you've made. The shame, the guilt, the workload, if I could just do more, do more. Listen, it's not about what you can do, it's about what he's already done. And our focus and our choice needs to be on that. We need to fall in love with him like never before. We don't need to follow another gospel. Because you'll never be good enough. But that's why he's good enough. That's why he made a way for you and I. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. How many would say, Pastor, I'm choosing the wrong gospel. I'm I'm trying to do it on my own performance. I'm I'm judging myself on on not being in church and not reading the word. I'm following the wrong gospel. Come on, hands are going up all over this place. Come on, I'm following the wrong gospel. I'm trying to be perfect where I'm not good enough. Is there anyone else that will put their hand up and say, Pastor, man, you're preaching to me. You're preaching to me. You're preaching to me today. So what are we going to do? You can put your hands down. What are we going to do? The first step is to admit, but then the second step is I've got to choose right. I've got to choose right. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? Here's what I want to do today. If you lifted up your hand, I know this is tough. But it's not really tough because you're in an environment where people love you. And God says, if you, if you can't make a stand in a place where I love you and, and you're loved, you're never going to be able to stand out in the world. If you want to deny me, you're never going to be able to stand for me in the world. But here's what I want to do. If you would say, Pastor, I'm making the wrong choice. I'm following the wrong gospel. 
as they begin to sing, I want you to begin to come right now. Come on, would you come? One, two, three. Just begin to come. You lifted your hand. Come on, you lifted your hand. Come on, right now. All right now. Just push someone out of the way if they're in your way. We're getting to Jesus. Come on, we're getting to Jesus. Come on. It's not about what I can do, but it's about surrendering and giving my life. Come on, I want to fall in love with Jesus today. I want to give my life to Jesus like never before. Come on, I want to surrender to God. I'm trusting you, Jesus, not me. I'm trusting you, God.